0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 111 of the Talking Football podcast My name's Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you an in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters involved in the game This week we venture over to the Netherlands to chat to one of Scottish football's most loved players Evo Den Beeman we hear about how his moved to Scotland and Montrose came about nights out in Aberdeen winning promotion with the Gable Endies. He also talks about his season at Dundee where he scored and played in that famous 4-3 win over Rangers featured alongside the likes of Graham Ricks Kevin Ratcliffe, Martin Vecorce Dusan Virto and many others He tells us how the dark blues left him a high and dry only for Dunfermline another club where he's adored to come calling There's stories galore from his time at East End Park which is a real golden time for the Pars he also tells us about the short stint at Ross County and finishing his playing career at Falkirk. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Fitball Podcast Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line by an absolute Scottish football legend, Evil Den Beeman. Evil, thank you very much for, for joining
1: us. Thanks, Derek. To be on here as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what, what's it like weather-wise over where you are in, in the Netherlands just now? Because where I am, it's uh, absolutely roasting. If everyone's struggling with the heat.
1: Oh, well, we're, we're not all that hot, uh, but it's lovely, sunny, summery weather. Uh, the nights are pretty uh, cold still, so uh, no problems to get to sleep. But uh, no, we've got uh, a, lovely, uh, a lovely week uh, up till now. Last week we had a day of rain, and uh, that uh, brought us a lot of uh, problems with the rivers, uh, which were they had in Belgium, Germany, and Netherlands as well. So, the water in the rivers is quite high. But uh, from Friday onwards, uh, it just turned and uh, lovely weather. Fantastic stuff.
0: Your career, then, Evo. Um, looking back, uh, you were born uh, the, the day before me. In fact, uh, the fourth of February. Um, 1967 in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, a little village. Is it is it, it Wamel? Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Very good, Derek. You've uh, you've excelled <laughs> again. Uh, even the, that pronunciation uh, was better than uh, the, the, the Dutch shirt. Uh, so very good, <laughs> Wamel. Yeah, excellent. So you share a, a birthday with uh, Ronaldo, isn't it?
0: Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's where the similarities end. I think. Uh, <laughs> Same here. <laughs> <laughs> were you always playing football as, as, a, as a young kid, Evo? Were, were you always kicking a ball around?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, because in the village, uh, there wasn't many other opportunities for uh, for sport. And the football club was the focal point. Uh, so uh, I uh, think I played from about six. Nowadays, they can start at four. But uh, at my age, it was Six. So uh, we had a, quite a talented group um, uh, which made up a team, uh, 11 side uh, at that time. And um, yeah we were doing w- w- pretty well against uh, the surrounding villages. And um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember doing anything else up till my 14th when I started playing a little bit of tennis as well. Uh, because uh, the village uh, had a a new tennis club but uh, football was the main uh, the main point i can remember playing for the for the championship uh, the village championship in tennis and i had to choose between football and tennis i obviously chose for the football Uh, and uh, didn't make me popular in the tennis uh, fraternity (laughs) but there you go
0: yeah did, did you, um, I guess as a, as a young boy, you, you'd have watched that that great uh, Dutch side of the 70s. Did, did they sort of inspire you to, to become a, a footballer, Evo? Can you remember watching them on, on television?
1: I must admit, it's just a wee bit too early for me because I'm born in 67. So the really, the really fantastic Ajax team was uh, 71, 72, 73. Yeah. And um, I have a slight remembrance of watching the World Cup in Germany when they overawed the whole world with total football. Um, And I must admit that uh, my dad was a Feyenoord uh, supporter and he took me to the Magic Stadium, the Kuip in uh, Rotterdam. And as you can imagine, coming from a small village, uh, there was an was many uh, uh, high rise buildings. And then you came into that stadium and you watched uh, and you looked uh, everywhere there were seats. It was 65,000 uh, capacity. Uh, so he took me along there uh, quite a bit, uh, not every week, but uh, uh, once a month or every now and again. And I was uh, really overawed with it. But I don't think that at that time I was really supporting anybody uh because you were mainly involved in your own football you know and uh, the, the you, well you were always on the streets playing football in the, in the parks on the street uh, at the football club so i don't think i really never really uh, i i like to go to football matches but not that i have a really dead keen uh yeah. Uh, appetite to to watch every game for a certain club or anything like
0: that. Yeah. So see if you see um, you had to choose between tennis uh, and football. You must have been quite a uh, an athletic boy when, when you were growing up. Evil. I guess you, you realized at a young age you you were pretty good at, at both football and tennis. Did Did you think you could uh, you could have a career in in both of them?
1: No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, because at uh, at, the fi- at my 15th, I changed villages to play football because next door, there's a village uh, where they play uh, at a higher level. So I got into a little bit of a, uh, a conflict with the, trip, the, the the manager of the club when I was 15. Yeah. And then I said, well, I'm gonna go to uh, the next village and uh, try it there, you know? And uh, because I, I thought he played me out of position I played center midfield pretty much every year since I was six. And then he put me at the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really like uh, the dynamics of, of, of that position at that time. Uh, so uh, he kept playing me there. And I said, well, I, I'm fed up with this. You know, I'll just go uh, to the next village. And uh, that's where I pretty much made my career before I came to Scotland because I was uh, four years in their youth setup and then five years in their senior teams. Yeah. So, um, and then I came to play with much better players against much better players. I trained with them. So I uh, I grew as a, as a player. Uh, I grew as an athlete as well because at 15, I was pretty lanky and I didn't have any any muscle, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't carry any weight. And I could run for days. That's yeah. that's pretty much uh, how it was. And um, my, <clears throat> at that time, and still nowadays, the Dutch FA have a, like a, a selection system from amateur football. Yeah. And I never played for any of that team, you know, because I was pretty quirky kind of player. I, I didn't run as as, as as nice, as, as supple as other players. I didn't have the best of touches at times, but I could organize a team and I could run a team. And uh, obviously with my uh, my physical uh, side, speed and uh, endurance, I could keep going for, uh, for 90 minutes, uh, as long as you like. So yeah. never really thought that I would c- carve out a career in football until this, uh, this guy from Scotland came to uh, watch one of my games in the Netherlands and uh, congratulated me on, uh, on the performance. And five months later, he va- invited me to come to, uh, to Scotland uh, and join uh, Montrose in Manchester. So no, I was pretty much studying and playing football. So never thought at that age until it really happened. Uh, that I was meant to go any further in football.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, this might sound a daft question. Did you know much about Scottish football and or Montrose? I can't imagine you would have known much about them.
1: No, Montrose, I didn't know anything. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even know where I was, you know. At that time, uh, I think Theo Snelders was one of the first Dutch players that... Uh, that joined a, a, a scottish club yeah. um, and thereafter there was more pl- players going that direction but you have to remember that was all players that played for a, a, a full-time professional club i came from amateur and i had this uh, this thought of um going for a year's adventure and see how far i got with uh, the combination of playing football and studying at Aberdeen University. Um, and that's how I actually entered the, uh, the Scottish football. You know, And uh, if it had just like uh, went down like a lead balloon, I would have left after a year or maybe even before. But uh, now it's uh, it's history that I spent ten years uh, and had a lovely career in Scottish football.
0: Yeah. And what were you studying at Aberdeen?
1: Uh, mainly uh, the central refectory and uh, the female. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> no, I, I was studying. I was studying. Uh, no, I didn't do anything I studies. I I enrolled at uh, university because uh, I was, uh, that was the deal, part of the deal. Uh, but I had already uh, a degree from uh, the Netherlands. So I found out that the, the level of my education was already above the university years that I spent in. So I pretty much, well, I had something to do during the day go to the university, uh, but it shouldn't be called studying. Or anything like that. So I mainly hang about with uh, with guys from university. Met my wife at university, so that's uh, that's one of the best uh, choices I've made, decisions I took. So uh, yeah, but for studying, no, it wasn't uh, wasn't for me. Yeah, and
0: I guess you enjoyed a, a night out or two in Aberdeen as well, Evo, Was that a good nightlife? Yeah, there? very good,
1: that very good. Yeah. Well, we had a squad uh, from Aberdeen, former players that had either played in the Highland Leagues or uh, were in the youth setup of Aberdeen. And we traveled together in a mini- minivan from uh, Bonacourt, uh, which was the, uh, the company of the owner at that time. And we drove together. So, uh, yeah, many uh, Saturday nights we spent up at uh, Union Street and... Uh, uh, ending up in uh, Mister G's or uh, Zigzags or whatever nightclub uh, was uh, was popular at the time. Yeah, they they introduced me uh, properly into the the Aberdonian uh, night scene. <laughs> um, see with uh, Scottish football, um,
0: how did you find it? Was it was it because uh, it's really physical? Did, did did it take you some time to get to get used to the, the
1: style of play? Um what i found it was really busy and hectic yeah, yeah. pace was uh, 100 miles an hour of course which is sometimes still is um, but i got to use i got used to it pretty quickly uh, i think also because the game i played suited scottish football and vice versa Yeah. Um, so i must yeah, otherwise you would have expected that I was in and out of the team uh, quite a lot. But I pretty much was a mainstay uh, from from the start. I I played something in the two seasons. I played something like eighty games uh, for Montrose, so uh, but which wasn't which is not a bad uh, return uh, for two seasons, you know. And that, that but that was that was pretty well probably the 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 biggest adaptation that the, the the games were coming thick and fast, you know. Uh, in the Netherlands, I played probably like 22 league games and maybe three cup games, and here we played uh, two cup uh, competitions, 39 uh, of a of a league season. So yeah, but I have obviously had plenty of time to rest uh, during the day, and uh, uh, so yeah, no, I got. Got used to it uh, pretty quickly. What I did find was that there was so much more communication on the pitch. You know, in amateur, there's a real difference between amateurs and um, and professionals. Professionals are really uh, busy with their work and they do everything to win the games. And communication is one of them. Communication during a game to your to your players, uh, players around you. Uh, it's 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 phenomenal how how big an improvement you can make if you just start communicating. I, I still teach it over here, you know. When I ever when I, when I co- coach a team, I always say if you start communicating and let people know what you want, where you are, uh, you become a, a better player instantly, twenty five percent better player instantly, because well, communication is the key to uh, teamwork. And that's what I found in the beginning. I really found that uh, uh, the, 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 the difference between the Dutch side of football, amateur, of course, and then semi-part-time professional football in Scotland.
0: Yeah, I mean, your English is spot on evil, but when you first arrived in Scotland and <laughs> walking into the dressing room, did it take you a while to understand what people were saying?
1: Well, I had to deal with people from Edinburgh, uh, Dundee and Aberdeen. So I just, half a year, about a half a year, I only asked, what did you say? What does it mean? And that's how I really, uh, uh, well, grew quickly in understanding uh, uh, the Scottish lingo. Yeah. One, of the, one of the kid men told me, uh, the first time I met him, that I should, uh, should learn uh, Uruba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because whatever there was a there was a, a decision to be made <laughs> so uh, so that's uh and, and the thing that also is really helped me is that i emerged uh, immersed in the scottish way of living you know there was obviously a, a huge uh, dutch contingent in aberdeen through shell and the oil yeah. but i never never made contact with those people. I was in university I had the people of Montrose around me the players of Montrose around me and um, so that 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 made it grow my language skills and my understanding of Scotch, Scottish language uh, a lot quicker and and, and and well even now I, I speak with a Scottish uh, twang you know every now and again.
0: Yeah, yeah, good on you. And I mean, the, 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 you had joint managers at Montrose that, 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 that season, uh, Chick McClelland and Doug Rookvee, who's an Aberdeen legend. Uh, how were they as, as coaches? Did you learn off them, Ivo?
1: Um, unorthodox, I would say. <laughs> uh, a lot of running, as you would imagine, in those uh, times. Yeah. Whereas in the Netherlands at that time, we only trained with the ball. And nowadays, I I, I suppose in Scotland, everybody works with the ball because you can just get as fit uh, with the ball and running with the ball and doing sharp exercises. But then it was a lot of running. We were training at Rossi, uh, which was a youth detention uh, center. So uh, yeah, and and I was used to beautiful uh, pitches with floodlights and here it wasn't the case. So that was a that, that was an eye opener, <laughs> uh, but Duke and Chick were both real winners, you know, and that's that's what set them up. And it was obviously uh, not always the best marriage of having two ma- joint managers as, uh, as 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 your management team, uh, but I think they they fed off each other, and it obviously brings in lovely uh, memories of. How they fought against each other, you know, and how they uh, how they how, how they dealt with certain uh, issues in the team or in the in the in the squad. Uh, but um, that's what, yeah, they, they 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 made that team into a team, you know, they they made that squad into a team, and because the expectations were pretty high because Brian Keith had come in, took over the club. Uh, quite a number of players coming in and then the first 17 games we were really indifferent in our results we were fourth bottom or something uh, at Christmas time and then we started to uh, pick up points and uh, obviously they saw something in the in the in the team that was playing at that time and obviously they were they're going through a transition of players in the team in the squad out of the squad dealing willing and dealing but in the end um, the the manager's job is always to find the best team and to find not always uh, start the best players you know and that takes a lot of uh, courage and a lot of dedication to find that team that's going to produce it for you every week in week out and we all, they obviously found a team from Christmas onwards um, in a in a difficult setting that that brought us uh, second place uh, in that in that first season I played there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that great comeback, and you went up uh, by a point ahead of Cowdenbeath uh, being promoted. Yeah. So it must be it's so memorable when you go up when the margins are just so so small, isn't it? A memorable memorable first season for you, Evo.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a lot, uh, a lot of memories and, and, and fantastic memories, you know. Uh, because I think the last six games of the season, we played a number of direct competitors to that second spot, and uh, I don't know, but I think we didn't lose a goal in those last six games, yeah, no. and and that's said enough. This team could really play to the 1-0. It was just as boring as Arsenal at times. And you just uh, score a goal and then lean on on their defence. And sometimes we would score another goal. And sometimes we would uh, keep going until it was the end of the game and win 1-0. And I know that we were uh, challenged by Berwick Rangers and uh, Cowden Beef. And I don't know, there was there was three or four teams and they were all uh, stealing points off each other. And from the last five or six games, we were the only one that was consistently winning uh, games until the end of the season. And at the last game of the season at Queen of the South, uh, well, after 20 minutes, we were 3-0 up and uh, second place was in the bag. Yep.
0: A difficult season that the following season the club were relegated, but I mean, uh, you went and played Celtic at Parkhead in the, in the Scottish Cup. I know, I know you lost heavily, but as an experienced, an amateur player coming into Scottish football and playing a team like that, I know you would play them much more later on in your career. Evo, yeah. But what, what, was that like? Can you remember much about going to Parkhead for the first time?
1: Yeah, the magnitude of uh, of a game like that, well. In advance, you don't really see anything, you know, but uh, I can remember going into Parkhead and must it was the old Parkhead. That's not the yeah. new uh, Parkhead. And Celtic were not supported as heavily as they are uh, years after. So I think they had crowds of 25, 30,000 or something like that. But I can remember going into uh, coming out of the tunnel onto the pitch, and it's just like like I explained to you, the Feyenoord Stadium, you know, it's like as high as, as trees. there were stands and there was like uh, roofs and, and terracing, you know, and it was it wasn't parkhead, it's much nicer now. Of course, it was a little bit run down and they had quite a big track around it as well, but still so impressive. Uh, for like you said an amateur player that had just uh, joined a Scottish uh, professional uh, outfit so um, and and that's 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 the moment you know where you either going for that challenge and do your best and uh, and have the mental state to not freeze or not uh, uh, get, all worried about what can happen, you know, and I could have gone either way, obviously. Uh, but luckily, I found it as a really exhilarating experience and a fantastic opportunity to to do something, you know, and play and learn of these players and uh, and see how far we got. Yeah. And I can remember only getting the run around by Darius Dobcek. Uh, Tommy Coyne and uh, John Collins, because we were just running rag- ragged, you know. I think uh, David uh, Larter prevented it from uh, going lo- 15-0. <laughs> it could have been a 10-score, uh, but yeah, the experience itself was was good because I can remember as soon as I got the ball, I was probably up front with Jimmy Jimmy Fodringham, I think. And I just started running with the ball and see how far I could get and relieve the defense a little bit, you know, and that's where obviously uh, certain papers wrote about it. And uh, I got a nice write up uh, about uh, the performance and obviously uh, was uh, kept uh, or planted a little seed in, in people's head that were in, in football. But for me, it was a fantastic experience. And um, like you said, one I've uh, repeated quite a, a few times, but uh, going back to my amateur time, I never anticipated that I would play at a Celtic park, uh, for example.
0: Yep. And of course, at the end of that season, um, Dundee would, would be promoted to the Premier League and they, and they would take you from Montrose, Evo. Um, how did that move come about? You must have been delighted to, to, to join a team that were just going into the, the top league in Scotland. Could you, could you quite believe it after just two seasons in, in Scottish football? Or did you believe that you were good enough to play at that level?
1: Um, well, um, it was being the right person at the right time. Uh, because we played Dundee at the last game of the season. We, the Montrose, were already relegated. And Dundee had obviously been heavily on the party scene, and I played against uh, Willie Jameson. And Willie uh, thought, well, it's okay, you know, it's the last game of the season. Let them have, uh, I let them have their day at Dance Park. Yeah. So uh, I played really well, uh, played up front with Willie Callahan, and I think I scored one and I laid one on. And uh, yeah, within a couple of weeks, uh, uh, Jim Leishman was the manager at that time. Um, the deal was made with with Dundee, you know, but that uh, I think I would that I think I would uh, progress again, uh, maybe not during that season, um, because it was a it was a gamble for um, for for Dundee, of course, as well. I was 25 at the time, eh? so. Yeah. I wasn't uh, somebody that was 20 and was just coming out of the, the youth ranks and and, and proved his uh, potential. I was 25, so it was also the first time when I started really training on a daily level. I'd, all my life I had trained at night, and the transition to training in the morning and get your body used to to that physical exertion and 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 the stress that the physical stress of training every day and the tackles and uh, and and. Uh, and the challenges, you know. Um, so I think no, I never thought I would, I would step up. Uh, but great, of course, I got the opportunity, and from that point, I made it the opportunity, you know. I I filled in the role as good as I could. Um, I played quite a number of games for Dundee. Loved my time there. Uh, played with legends like. Graham Ricks and uh, uh, what's his name uh, from Everton, Captain Radcliffe, Kevin Radcliffe, Jim Layton. So yeah, it was just it was just just a dream come true. Although I never had that dream, but I lived the dream more than I had the dream. Yeah.
0: Before we look at Dundee Evo, I mean, um, we had Jim Leafman on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, another huge character in Scottish football. How, how, how did you find him? I guess life was never dull when, when he was around.
1: Uh, Jim came in at a at a difficult time at Montrose because the squad thought Chick uh, and Duke was released of their duties quite uh, unf- unfairly. Yeah. Uh, so. He had to prove himself again to us, you know. Uh, and when you come into that kind of uh, arena uh, with uh, something to prove or to prove that he's a better manager than, uh, than Chick and, and Dougie was, it was pretty good. And I didn't know, uh, I was pretty, pretty, probably pretty much in a micro, uh, uh, micro world of Aberdeen and, and doing my own thing, you know, that I didn't know who Leishman was. And I didn't know of re- his reputation. I only found that out later on, actually, when I went to to Dunfermline itself, not the time that he he was managing in uh, in in, in uh, at Montrose. But yeah, he obviously uh, did well for himself, and I don't know if he did himself did himself any favors by going to Montrose. I don't know how he I sees that, 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 that period himself. I don't even know how long he stayed after I left, if he left, if he stayed another season or whatever, you know. Yeah. But um, I, what, I, what I can remember is that that was the time when the football club was trying to introduce older professionals on their close to their retirement. And uh, maybe they broke down the nucleus of that team spirit that was so strong in the, in the season before. Yeah. Afterwards, I've seen, it, I've seen it happen again, you know, that they start tinkering with the squad uh, in order to make the next step. And the only thing that they achieve is the opposite of what they wanted to achieve. Yeah. And I don't know if, if, if Brian Keith was maybe too harsh by uh, by going too uh, too hard in on uh, on Dugan and 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 Chick. I don't know. Uh, it's just that afterwards we never got that fighting spirit uh, back uh, that uh, we knew from the season before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean from from intros, uh, from Jim Leifman, uh you go to Dundee, uh, Simon Stainrod, of course. Uh, as a manager, Ivo, uh, another eccentric guy, uh, shall we say? Um, w- what was he like to, to, to deal with and to play for? He
1: was really, he was really good to me. Uh, he gave me time to uh, to adjust. He was uh, more the relaxed guy because Jim Duffy was his assistant, and he was he would be uh, uh, the pit bull, so to say. And he would be much more direct than uh, than Simon uh, was, and um, uh, well, I, I have I have fantastic uh, memories of of them, you know. And it was obviously good cop bad cop uh, duo, but yeah, can't really remember if we did any if we had any good training sessions or it was it was, uh, but also there. They built. That was really a, a, a team of journeymen, you know. Yeah. Uh, they brought quite a number of players from uh, from England: Jamie McGowan, Gary McAllister, uh, Gary McEwen, um, Andy Kiwomia, uh, Du Verto, uh, Ian Gilzin uh, and then uh, uh, Radcliffe and and, and and Graham Riggs. So it was like it was like a, a really a, and how they managed to get that team going. It was fantastic, of course. They had, I think they, they had just had Stuart, uh, Stuart Beattie was playing on and off, Billy Dodds was playing on and off, yeah. uh, Alan Dinney, he was the main, uh, uh, and Stevie Campbell. That was pretty much uh, the people that were there from the pre- previous season, you know the rest was all changed yeah and i think we finished either fifth or sixth in, in the league that year
0: yeah 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 you done fantastically well
1: yeah yeah that was uh, so if, if if you if you put that into the mix as a man manager as a really building a team he must. He done fantastic, you know, with with people that never seen each other, never played with each other, and then bringing so many new players in. Yeah, a fantastic uh, achievement.
0: Yeah, but we'll talk about some of those players. But for yourself, evil going into Dundee, um, from Montrose, uh, and playing with these guys, did, did that? Did that improve your game? Did that did that bring your game on uh, a little bit by playing week in week out with these sort of players?
1: At Dundee, you mean? Yeah. Well it's not only the games, eh? it's the training sessions where you have to be sharp. It's the competition against people that want to play in your position. Um, uh, That's what makes you better. Training every day with these guys, training every day full stop, that makes you a better player, that makes you a stronger player. But I have a theory about this, you know. Because my qualities as a player, my uh, heading, my kicking, my passing, my uh, speed, uh, they haven't, they don't improve or they they improve marginally. But what the step up is from one level to the next level is the physical ability to keep up with the pace, to keep up with the endurance, to keep up with the power uh, that's required in those games. And that's what uh people at the top they have that in abundance you know they are the fittest players they can run for for days they can sprint 50 to 80 times a a game and they will be just as good in decision making when they are tired when as opposed when they are in a relaxed situation that's the difference between the top players and the level below and the level below that that it's it's all about physical exertion and the mental uh, state to make those decisions and make every time the right decision so the ability yeah slightly you become sharper your touch is getting better but the main difference is that physical ability and the mental ability to play and to make those decisions well, even before sixty thousand people even taking a penalty kick in front of 13 or 30 or 100 people that's what that's what the difference is yeah yep. in my in my in my uh humble opinion
0: yeah um you mentioned um, uh, Graham Rix. Um, I, I watched uh, Neil McCann was on uh, Rangers television at the weekend, and he says he, he learned a lot from him uh, at Dundee when he was coming through. Um, of course, ex Arsenal player uh, played for England and what have you. What, what was he like uh, uh, as, as a teammate? Evo, did you did you learn uh, learn a bit from him?
1: Uh, what I most admired. Uh, from Graham, with Graham, is there used to be this uh, track around Dens Park as well. Yeah, and there was quite a, a, a grassy area after the goal, behind the goal, and after training sessions, we would just ping balls over the width of the the, the pitch behind the goals because we weren't allowed on Dens, of course. But and just that did that for every every day or every week. We would spend half an hour just kicking long balls and have that uh, what they call it uh, muscle muscle uh, sorry?
0: Muscle memory.
1: Yeah. You become so much better and so much more predictable with your long kicks. Yeah, uh, um, Yeah, that's and the thing is, I, I had like uh, uh, United Nations of uh, in my house because I rented a house with an Australian guy that I met in Aberdeen. Right. Then we moved down to, uh, to uh, Dundee and picked up one of the YTS uh, boys, also an Australian. Yeah. Um, and then we moved to uh, Broy Ferry and uh, Graham Riggs was staying in the Ford Hotel uh, with John Black, I think it was, who was the sponsor and the owner of the hotel. So we met him in there quite a bit, you know, and uh, we had brilliant times uh, with him. I had later on, I had Martin Wiegorst in my house as well. Uh, he stayed in my house. So, uh, yeah, Graham Riggs was just fantastic, you know. He he kept himself to himself as well, uh, but uh, I can always envisage myself taking those long kicks every tuesday every thursday and just balls around you know it's just fantastic
0: yeah and and likewise i mean you mentioned kevin ratcliffe as well another legend at dens park it is it's hard to imagine yeah. these these sort of guys pitching up at, at dundee but again it must have been it must have been great to, to to be in and around these guys
1: yeah i'm not the person who really is uh, quickly overawed by their achievements and yeah. and um but what i really found that they were really top guys you know really nice guys not big-headed not uh walking about uh, arrogant or uh, look at me and my, me, my career you know they were just one of the lads yeah. and uh, that that made that made it made a bigger impression to me than than all the medals that i won and all the career that they had and uh, that's that's why they were so successful and so accepted in in, in, in the Dundee team yeah.
0: you mentioned uh, i mean it was a, a multicultural sort of, uh, dressing room you mentioned martin Vikos there and uh, dusan vucic we've had him on the, the podcast as well great great guy and uh, yeah. great defender as well wasn't he at, at, in his day at dundee
1: he loved the C- scissor tackle man please <laughs> uh, yeah, Dusan didn't speak a word, you know, of English uh, when he came. And uh, first he was playing with uh, Jim Duffy uh, at the back and then he moved into midfield. But yeah, really good player, really uh, a very good pedigree as a, as a professional, you know. Um, but through the lingo uh and the lingo barrier you couldn't really connect with it you know and that that really funny guy but uh on on a, on a private level you couldn't really have a, a discussion with him uh and um yeah that, that that was a shame of course but really good servant for dundee he certainly was and um,
0: let's talk about the, the rangers game then absolute famous game of course you'd score the Opening goal, four three win at Dens Park. Um, people are still yeah. talking about that that game, Evo. Um, what's your memories of, of that day?
1: The memories of that day is that uh, I don't know anything about the build up. Uh, I've watched uh, the games, the, the, the highlights of the game with uh, commentary of John Brown many a time on YouTube, and uh, I've been shown it, of course. And I've, I must. I think it was the maybe the third or fourth game into, into the season or something like that, and I had I had some adjustments to make, like I said, from part-time football to full-time football. And I sprained my ankle in the, in pre-season. Never made it to uh, uh, to Ireland to the pre-season tour. Uh, had to sit out the the first uh, uh, game. Didn't play in that one, and then I played in the second one against. St. Johnston against Sean McCauley. And um, and that was me pretty much getting settled into the team. And then we played Rangers. So, uh, really surprised to, to start. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, loved the occasion, loved the, the crowd inside. And we were obviously at an advantage because Andy Gordon uh, was injured and Ali Maxwell uh, played. Yeah. So that uh, that was uh, well wasn't uh, that was good for Dundee, yeah. but we went we went really gung ho. We went after them and we we challenged them and we we chased them, and uh, that's what can happen when a, when a team with better quality players drop down five percent and the opposition. Uh, challenge that with their extra 10%. And that's what happened. You know, we just harassed them, and we rode wrote our luck a little bit as well. But yeah, I scored the first goal. The first time that I played against uh, David Robertson as a left back. And uh, he, he didn't really uh, enjoy playing against me then. And he's never enjoyed playing against me afterwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, yeah playing against guys that you saw on television years before, you know, Michalichenko, Uh well, McCoy wasn't that big in the Netherlands, but that kind of players, you know, uh, they were like household names. Kuznetsov uh, was playing. Yeah. They played in that, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Ukrainian team uh, that won uh, the European Cup.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I was, and then, winning that game and then out on the town of course uh, and then <laughs> it's even better isn't it? <laughs> a it's not it's not one of the nights that uh, you had to sit in and hide yourself uh, behind the curtains.
0: No absolutely you need to make the most of these nights because they're, they're few far between in football and I mean you loved a goal against Strangers Evil you scored against them at Ibrox that season you'd score against them for Dunfermline did, did you, you must have loved playing against them did, did, did it bring out the best in you do you think?
1: um no no not really i think there were scarce opportunities i've also been dropped been dropped uh seven mil at ibrox uh yeah. that game that you're talking about we we were beat 5-2 or something opening game of the season um and i i'm not really a prolific goal scorer and i was just more i would rather uh uh, win the game and not score, then uh, score and uh, get a drubbing of seven 0 uh, for example. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I I just like the challenges against those big teams, you know, because I always had that thought. Well, let's let's hope they give ten percent less or five percent less because they think it's an easy game, you know. There's always a chance that if the team formation is right and when everything. Is going to, according to plan, you have a chance to to, to beat them. And in, in Scotland, that would be like a really upset, you know, uh, when when smaller teams beat the Rangers and the Celtics of those era. Yeah. And that's what that was pretty much uh, where you were.
0: Yeah. Just stayed on Rangers. You uh, probably when, more so when you were at Dunfermline, you would have came up against uh, Brian Loudrup and, and Paul Gascoigne, I'd imagine. Um, what, what, what's your memories of, of
1: those two? If you say uh, Brian Loudroop, I say spaghetti legs <laughs> because he would twist and turn you that often that um, you don't know where he was. And then uh, with, with his flair, he would put the ball with his outside left uh, towards the byline and David Robertson would just uh, motor by and just yeah. uh, whip in the cross. But Gascoin was something else, you know. If if you have a player that plays in the middle of the park, which is the most difficult position because you've got people everywhere, and the awareness that he had, and you couldn't get close to him. Yeah, uh, you, that's it, it, really good. Players always make time and space for themselves, and he did it with such ease. He wasn't even challenged in in the number of games that he played in Scotland. You know, he would just like walk through games like that. Yeah. and uh, But if you see, and if you see how quick he is and how, how much energy he still has, at that time, of course, uh, that was just amazing. The ability with his drive, with his skills, left pass, passing left, passing right, uh, both feet. Just a fantastic uh, talent, a fantastic uh, player. Unfortunately, uh, the mental side of it was, wasn't that good and uh, which we unfortunately didn't bring out the best in his, uh, in his career that would match his ability.
0: Yep. Talking about the mental side, we've had uh, players on before who say they, they try to get in his head during games to try and put him off and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Is that what you guys try to do to try and put him off and, and try and get in his head and, and, and mentally put him off his game?
1: Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that playing against Dunfermline would—he uh, would see that as a as a challenge. He would see that as a walk in the park, yeah. and um, uh, I don't think he would—he uh, <laughs> would be worried about what we said to him. You know, yeah. it's like what uh, Alan Moore always tells a lovely story that uh, he was trying uh, to get into uh, Mo Johnson's Head and uh, Mo Johnson replied, uh, Watch out or I'll buy you because he just been sold from um, uh, from hearts to uh, <laughs> from hearts to St. Johnson or something like that. So, uh, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not watch out, you get that kind of comment, and then that puts you off the game anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, br- a brilliant one, watch out or I'll buy you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is Gaz one of the best players you've played against? That uh, Evo,
1: is he? I guess he must be up there. Yeah, Paul McStay as well. Eh? He's uh, he was he was a typical he was he was a Scottish version of, of Gaza uh, and maybe not as uh, uh, in the limelight as, as Gaza was, but yeah. he had the same qualities. You know, he, such a shrewd uh, football brain, saw the pass, had the ability to do it. Uh, went uh, up front uh, for his team uh, when it when it had to, you know. And yeah, similar kind of guys. De yeah. oh, he was not good. a bad player either. group uh, obviously, yeah. uh, but they all they all played in other positions. Pierre van Hoydong fantastic uh, player. You know what he did with the ball and free kicks and cross passes and. Fantastic uh, guy, nice guy to speak to as well. So that in that era where I played in the Premier League, there was a lot of good players, and but they probably stood out.
0: Yeah,
1: and the one that I really was uh, undervalued, maybe not in Scotland, but in the rest of the world, Ali McCoist. You know, he was so shrewd, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He would see if he was the first one that would. Pass or or shoot through your legs when you took a step, you know, and that yeah. knew exactly what you were doing as a defender. Uh, although he's I'm maybe three four inches taller than him, he would always match me with just his extreme timing. Yeah, and uh, uh, and also a very nice guy as well. You know, none of these guys were really big-headed uh, against other players. They were not really putting you down uh, when you were playing for Mon- for either Montrose Falkirk, uh, Dundee or Dunfermline. Yeah. They were really exemplary prof- professionals, I would say.
0: Yeah, before we look at Dunfermline more, um, did, you, did you play in the, the Dundee derby um, dur- during your season?
1: Uh, uh, that was an even better one because I got a penalty uh, at one of the games at, at Tanadise, uh when we won 1-0 yeah and uh, that me that got me for that day legendary status in, uh, in Dundee <laughs> i think i'm not legendary status anymore in, in dundee but uh, that that evening uh i milked uh, the legendary status
0: uh... <laughs> right, what was it like i mean uh, as, a, as a foreigner coming to dundee and, and and your rivals are just a walk down the street it's a bit it's a bit bizarre isn't it
1: yeah, it's very very quirky, and uh, but yeah, you have to deal with it. You know, we were the, the United were the bigger brother of the two, uh, bigger uh, bigger budget, better players. Yeah. Uh, a bit Calimero uh, effect on uh, on the Dundee side. Yeah. But well, that was the season that we that that, that we really did well. And uh, yeah, one of these one of these games was against Dundee United, and I don't think there is then a sense of home and away. You know, it's just the people in the in the stadium that may get a home and away. But if you're just going across the road, you don't feel like oh, we're going to go travel on a bus and uh, go and have pre-season. It it it's, it feels like a home game, uh, so to say.
0: Yeah. So so you moved to Dunfermline. Were you sad to leave after just a, a season? Evil. How did that move to Dunfermline come about?
1: Well, I had signed a year's contract. I never, I never dealt with agents. Maybe it was stupid, but uh, I signed a contract with uh, with Dundee for a year plus an option for another one, and the option was only on the club side. Wow. Uh, so I, I actually, after my first season, with where I played well, the majority of the games, I think. Uh, I was involved, at least, in... uh, in, um, I started pre-season training uh, with Dundee, just like normal, you know, but the contract situation wasn't resolved. I was pretty much naive. I just trained, and I didn't really go into the office and thought, well, this second year is just like an add-on, and it will just get sorted, you know? And then, pooh... Uh, Dundee were uh, chasing Paul Tosh from our broth, I think, yeah. and for quite big money. Uh, I think 100,000 was quoted at the time. And uh, I, was, I was just really naive about that, you know, and I thought, well, is that going to do something for me or challenge? And then I think it was. Uh, 10 days, yeah, on Monday Tuesday Tuesday uh, 10, 12 days before the season started uh, they said uh, called me in the office and they said, well thanks for uh, your services uh, you free to go <laughs> wow yeah you just... yeah, I just uh, was just put by the, uh, the garbage uh, and uh, thanks for your services free me. to go freed uh, and uh, yeah well that uh, then you think geez what happened what what happened just to me there you know and then, but um stupid of myself of course not to have this uh, contract situation resolved and get it uh get it sorted and I just went home and to uh, broad ferry and uh I think the same day or something like that because uh managers speak to each other, you know, and I, I don't know if it was this day, that day or the day after that Dick Campbell phoned me and
0: yeah.
1: said, uh, listen, uh, Dick Campbell, just taken over at uh, Dunfermline, uh, know you've been released, do you like to come in uh, for training, and uh, yeah, and it was at that same time, Stevie Campbell, the left back, uh, also was either released or whatever. We were in the same situation so we went together to uh, to Dunfermline. Yeah, fantastic! I think we played on the maybe trained on the Friday with them. So we, that was just uh, like a, a match match practice uh, or a match prepare, preparation uh, uh, session. And we played West Ham United. They all always played West Ham United on this last Saturday before the season started. Yeah. So Stevie and I were invited to play in that game, yeah. and uh, we were both uh, listed as trialists. And um, yeah, uh, again by pure coincidence, uh, I was the right guy at the right time and did well, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. got myself a co- I got myself a contract for two years. Yeah. I think I well, I think it was like even in that game, Rio Ferdinand and uh, Frank Lampard were playing. Um, because they hail from um, uh, West Ham United, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were really young, obviously. But uh, yeah, uh, so um, played sixty minutes, I think. Came off, got a got a nice ovation, waved to the crowd, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, got a contract. Yeah, fantastic. So just by the. Just by the uh, seed of your pants, uh, got myself sorted again.
0: Yeah, and you'd go on and probably enjoy the the best bill of your career there. And um, uh, Dick Campbell and Bert Payton, uh, evil. Um, what a combination those two are. And um, how much did you? Uh, uh, what were they like, and did you enjoy playing for them too?
1: Well, first thing I had to understand them again, you know, <laughs> because they both speak five, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, no, Dick is Dick is the same character now as he was then. You know uh, that, that, that's uh, what's twenty six years ago, twenty seven, eight. Um,
0: yeah, he's still a man. Yeah, they
1: were they, they were they were just like uh, Stainrod and Duffy. You know, one would be the bad cop, one would be the good cop. Yeah, and uh, uh, just like just characters, you know. And um, but what. Uh, what they did really well, as did Stainrod and Duffy, as did McClelland and, uh, and Rugby, they built a squad. Uh, they were uh, asked to uh, make a transition in the squad, uh, roll out some players, bring in new players, bring uh, cut, cut costs, and they did that because Billy Davis went, um, Davey Moyes went, um, I don't know if Andy Roads were left that year as well, or just before I came. Um, but they shipped out quite a number of players that were uh, surplus to, to their requirements, and they brought in. I was the first one. I had a part time pedigree. Then they brought in Stuart Petrie from uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Forfar. Then they brought even in Andy Todd from junior football. Yeah. Uh, uh, later on, Mark Miller, uh, David Bingham. So really shrewd uh, dealings with players that uh, really established themselves in the, in the part-time scene and could make a step up, you know. And yeah, they that was the best over the years because they developed it over and over. That was the best squad or the best team that uh, that I played in uh games that we didn't deserve to win we won because of the fighting spirits, because we believed in each other because we trusted each other and so that that really started uh with me you know with uh, me going to to Dunfermline and, and others uh really cheap players huh? you would we would be pretty cheap because uh we didn't have a, a huge career behind us, but very shrewd and uh, and so funny, so funny with the characters that were there as well. You know,
0: it's funny. Um, we had uh, Ian Westwater and, and Colin Miller on, and they, they said that Evo. They said that they love just going to training because it was just laughing and joking all the time. But but you, you got results on the pitch as well, I guess. It um it must have been some some uh, some place to go to your work where you're enjoying yourself so much.
1: Yeah, because Bert would never make it too complicated, huh? He yeah. knew the qualities of uh, every individual player. Uh, Dick would uh, tear you down a little bit more, uh, and Bert could do that as well, but he would just do that with one word, you know. Yeah. But um, if you if you played your heart out and you you really fought for the club, fought for the team, and Your perform, you were not really, really. uh, Your performance wasn't top. As long as you really showed uh, your appetite and your desire, that was good to them, you know. And um, but through their no nonsense uh, style and their ability to 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 form a team, that's what the, the the the. the connection was built between all those players, you know, and um, yeah, just that's really one of the biggest uh, uh, jobs that a manager has, you know, to to build a squad, but also to build a team that believes in each other. And, and nowadays it's a little bit different at the top, but at a certain level, uh, when you show up with 11 players that have one mind of winning that game or uh, stopping the opposition you can get a hell of a far yeah. you know and uh, you see it with the italians at, uh, at the euros yeah. that was more that was more than the sum of their individual individual qualities yeah. and that's what bert and dick did fantastically in the first 3 4 years and then they started tinkering with the squad bringing players from england up and they killed a little bit that team spirit yeah 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 and the, in the desire the, to make the next step.
0: Yeah. but The, the first two seasons, were they, they tough, been I mean, you, you, you missed out on winning the championship by a point. Um, I know the second season, you lost the playoff against uh, Aberdeen, but yep. um, was that tough to take, um, those two seasons? Uh,
1: disappointed in the end, but... Um, and we were pipped, obviously, uh, by Falkirk and Reid Rovers. Yeah. But the the what what remains more with me is the style of play we had and the number of goals we scored and the joy we we had in playing games and and beating teams five six nil uh i think at the time we were we, we scored something like 93 league games or some mm-hmm. league goals or something like that um and that that remains much more in, my, in, in the back of my head than the, that we didn't make it, you yeah. know uh, and the first, the first time that there was uh, the playoff, who can imagine that United gets relegated and Aberdeen are second bottom, you know, because there were teams above that that would suit us much more, much better than, than playing Aberdeen, yeah. you know and Aberdeen, they had Duncan Shearer and Billy Dodds up front
0: yeah, does, yeah. And they were
1: second bottom of that in that in the league. So and they had a hell of a squad, you know. Stuart McKinney was playing uh my been and all that, eh? so They had a squad and we were just not we were just not geared up to for that, you know.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the style of play, you brought up a good relationship with Hamish French. I mean, the fans uh, loved you too. Um, did you enjoy play, playing alongside him? What, what did they call you? Is it fish and chips or something like that? It was, it was a bit funny, but yeah, I've never, I've never heard that. Uh, I've,
1: I've never heard that when I was in Scotland. I hear it now, but, but uh, it was brought up to me the first time it was brought up to me when I worked in the UK in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. Uh, somebody put a, a clipping from a paper that it was fish and chips, but I can't remember it. But Hamish took the pressure off me because he was uh, a lot more, had a lot more gray hair than I had at the time. You know, so I was quite happy with Frenchy. <laughs> no, Frenchy Frenchie was one of these teammates that would also run for days, even more than I did. Uh, very unselfish. Uh, good with right back, left back. Um, and a fantastic trainer uh, on the day, but also a very nice person, you know, but probably the best partnership I also had with Jackie McNamara because oh, well, he, yeah. came, he, came, he came through as a YTS, just like Neil McCann did as a YTS when I was at Dundee, but Jackie, I can see Jackie sitting as a, a quiet 18 year old YTS boy just coming into the squad, you know, and, uh, and then uh, half a year later, he's established himself as a, the, 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 the main uh, right-back in our squad. And then uh, years later, he goes off to uh, to Celtic and have a fantastic career with how many sc- uh, caps for Scotland. So, but it wasn't only the, the, the partnership with Frenchie. I also had a really good understanding with uh, George O'Boyle.
0: Oh, what a player he was, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I would play wide right and I would just whip in balls and George would understand where from my position... And my, uh, my standing, if the ball would come at the front post or the ball would come at the back post. And I I did have a, a good cross with loads of bend on it and at pace. It's like uh, my, my leg, if you see my feet, it's 5 to 1. And that means that I have... Uh, Certain muscles in my in my uh, on the inside uh, uh, in my groin, so I can really pass at pace. And for crosses, that's fantastic, you know. And I could really ping in a ball at front post, and George would just anticipate it, and he scored maybe ten to fifteen goals out of that kind of situation. And on the other side, we had Stuart Petrie, who would do exactly the same. Yeah, so. We had a really good team over the years. You know, Georgia Boyle, French up front. Later on, Andy Smith uh, with Frenchy up front. Um, uh, I played on the, as we say it, on the graveyard shift. White right, white left, Stuart Petrie. Um, uh, good defensively. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was... That's, that's That's the memories I have from those seasons. You know, always going for goals, always going for wins.
0: Yeah, and of course, you'd go up that next season at uh, uh, 95, 96. It's such a a memorable one, uh, Evo. I mean, it's yep. emotional, of course, with, with the passing of uh, and Norrie McCarthy and at yep. the turn of the year. Uh, that sort of bring you guys to closer together, do you think, and, and, and go on to um, go on and, and, and win the championship?
1: Yeah. Um... Well, it was, it was already a strong nucleus. Uh, just, yeah. So uh, we missed out twice uh, on, uh, on promotion or on the championship. And yeah, when, when when your teammate dies, you know, it's, it's a tragedy. You know, yeah. it's a tragedy for the family. It's a tragedy for, for, for the club, for, for the players. And uh, from a certain point, professionalism takes over again you know you just go for it and um but you of always uh, play with that mind of we do it for nori uh, because yeah. that uh, hampers your decision making and hampers your freedom to to play play the style of football that we had played but your professionalism takes over and, and you go and do the things that um uh, that you know that are success bring you success uh, and that's that's what brought us together, you know. Outside the games, yeah, we would we would talk about it, uh, but in the games, total professionals, uh, just geared to one thing is win that game, you know. And when the ninety minutes were over, yeah, then we would talk. Well, good one, you know, one step closer, uh, good for the big man, yeah. uh, uh, but uh, you. I don't think there's a professional that goes into a game with that kind of mind mindset, you know, it, it, because if you play with that kind of mindset, I think you fr- you either freeze, yeah, or you get leggy, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think we've seen it a little bit with Denmark in, in the Euros at that Finland game. I think it, it knocked them for, for six, didn't it? Um, yeah. The- and um, See that everyone remembers that second last game against Dundee United. You'd won 1-0 at Tannadice. Uh, Stuart Petrie was sent off. It was a, a heroic game and uh, sort of uh, helped you to win, win the league. Can you remember much about that game, Ivo?
1: Yeah. Um, there was a lot of rumour and a lot of... Uh, a chat about the fact that we um, we only got 2000 tickets for the game yeah 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 and the way stand was uh, confiscated by uh, united supporters itself and then they were put into uh, one area of the main stand right in the corner where the tunnel is uh, where you go into the uh, the dressing rooms so that was uh, that was filling filtering through the other one was uh, the I think the Sun or one of the tabloids that uh, presented uh, a poll about uh, the ten, the, the, the eight league managers. The I don't was it twelve of a league or ten of a league? Maybe I, I don't was, know. Yeah, I think it was. It might have been ten back then. But all the all the other managers, uh, bar one, chose to for United, and and probably in. Quite right, you know, because they were at home. They had a bigger budget. They had a better squad. Maybe if you look at the squad that they were, they did have that thing, and that that made us more determined, you know. Um, and if you look at the highlights of that game, we rode our luck there as well, you know, because yeah. Daly uh, rattled the bar, Craig Brewster rattled the bar, um, but we scored early doors, and. Uh, we stood firm and uh, won the game, and uh, obviously even better than you find out later on that the the trophy was there in the car of the SFA representatives, and um, yeah, with that second last game, the last game would have never happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, that if, if it if it been a draw, had it been a loss, the last game was was gone. Um, so. Yeah I, I obviously battled it without with 10 10 men uh, for about half an hour or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah great memories great night out in the town again.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course milked uh, milked all the uh, the common commentaries and the the the, 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 the hugs and uh, the beer the free beers that you got so uh, yeah I can yeah, that would. And I think we even had. Uh, it was a time at the end of the season, so you go to the to the supporter clubs, you know, around the supporter clubs, player of the year things and things like that. And we would spread out because there was different uh, supporter clubs. But yeah, that was some game. Some game. To of be course,
0: you're, you're part of the, the. You mentioned the supporters' club. You're part of the the, the former players' association and all that as well. And. Uh, I think you're voted runners-up and cult heroes uh, as well for the club, so it's, it's, it's certainly a team that's close to your heart, Evo.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I must admit, I have a really good rapport at um, with the supporters as well, and at Montrose. Yeah. At Dunfermline and even at Falkirk. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, it's just. I've, I've really enjoyed my time there, and there was a, 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 there was always a really good uh, rapport with the supporters. You know, I would take my time to sign any uh, program, photos, uh, whatever. I would take my time to to speak to people. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just one of them, you know. I, I just happen to be a footballer. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and,
0: uh, yeah, I was going to say, like Dundee, when you went up to the the Premier League, finishing fifth. Uh, amazing to, to, to think for, for Dunfermline, a club of that size. But I guess that was just down to, I guess, good management and, and, and all the players having a good team spirit.
1: Yeah, we, 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 we spilled over from the year that we won the championship. Yeah. And uh, that, was, uh, that team spirit was just there, you know, and uh, people, teams, opposis, opposition would underestimate uh, how we play and the strength of our team. And uh, the team spirit as well, you know, so uh, in the first year, you always see the team going up unless they are really weak. But they, you always see them uh, doing pretty well. Uh, it's the second year when, when they know how they play, uh, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are when they struggle to, to make the top half. But so, yeah, that first year, uh, I think, again, it was fourth or fifth uh, that we finished just outside the uh, European places, uh, I suppose. I don't know even know if fourth was European places, but fantastic season uh, again and up with the big boys, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, Guido, Vandekamp was there as a goalie, uh, fellow Dutchman. Yeah. Did you pal about with him, Ivo?
1: Yes. Yeah, Guido uh, lived in Kakodi. Yeah. So and I was living in uh, in Kinross, Milnthort. Yeah. So Thanks. we would visit uh, every now and again, and we'd have a coffee with him or uh, go and see his family, you know. And uh, uh, but there as well, I, I played golf with a couple of guys that I knew from the club or supporters, you know, and uh, played sometimes golf with. And Guido didn't play golf, so he was really a family man, and I was uh, I was living with my then uh, girlfriend, now wife, yeah. and she was working uh, as a procurator fiscal. So, um, yeah, I had more free time than uh, Guido had.
0: Yeah. Uh, See, so when you mentioned uh, Dunfermline, uh, when Bert sort of changed the squad a little bit, brought some players in from England, you, you would leave, of course, uh, in '98. Were you sad to leave at, at the
1: time, uh, Evo? Do you feel you had more to offer? Uh, yeah every player you know when you're when you're in a, in a club you always think that you are the best option for the manager huh? otherwise uh you don't train as hard and you, you if you don't believe in yourself you, you can't really uh expect to, to play well but at that time you think I should play every game yeah. you know uh, that's that's i think uh, the attitude of uh, 99% of the of the players uh and I, I, well, '98 season started, and there was nothing uh, really suggesting that I was uh, that I was going out of the squad or uh, being left out of the squad or left on the bench. But I think by mid-September, I had had more uh, turns on the on the, on in the stand uh, and on the bench that I would played from the start, you know, and. Yeah. I really couldn't do with that because the whole week you train for something, you know, and then in the end there's a like a uh, like a lead balloon in your attitude because you're not in the squad or you're in on the bench. And I said, well, I can't deal with this, you know. I can't. I'm not, I didn't come to Scotland to train all week and and not do anything with the energy and with the qualities that I have. So uh, I asked uh, the club to uh, turn, or I asked them what, what my position was if I was a uh, French player, becoming a French player. And I have, I've seen many of my colleagues that were French players uh, and dealt with this in a, in, in, a, in a positive way. But I couldn't deal as a French player. I need to be in the center. I need to be uh, playing. Yeah. So I asked them what my position was and they said, well, there's people ahead of you. Chris Templeman came on the scene. Younger players came on the scene. Fair enough, you know. So I said, well, what's the options then? Uh, well, can release you. Can uh, keep, You can go and keep, but keep fighting for your place. And I said, well, I can't do this. I can't have that uncertainty of training every week, going for it. And then playing your games on the, at, with the Stiffs on uh, on Monday afternoon uh, against uh, Young Boys, you know. Yeah. So I had my contract terminated uh, with mutual uh, consent. And uh, uh, then, uh, then I played uh, an amazing two games for uh, Ross County, <laughs> where uh, Neil Cooper, my former teammate, uh, was the yeah. manager. Yeah. What, 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 why,
0: why only two games? Did, did you not fancy being so far up north and you came back down the road?
1: No, Neil, Neil said, well, come up here, you know, um, sign a month's contract and then uh, see how you make what you make of it. And um, so uh, Ross County was part-time at t- uh, in that era, you know, so they just went up the league. So I dropped down, I think, two leagues, yeah. from Premier League to, uh, to second division. Uh, played one home game, played another away game. And then I got the flu, the worst flu I've ever had. So oh. I, was, I, was, I was just out for two weeks. Um, and I didn't play again. Uh, I, I couldn't. I was in my bed for, for uh, straight two weeks, you know? yeah, Never had anything like it afterwards or before. So my, my contract ran out, and then in the meantime, Alec Totten came on the scene and started calling me and wanting me to Falkirk. To and uh, obviously, I lived in the Central Belt, uh, Kinross area. Easy. So Falkirk uh, was uh, ideal for me, was a higher level. Uh, we uh, uh, again, in the top of the first division, so that was a much better uh, opportunity for me there. And uh, that's why it only were two games uh, for uh, for for Ross County.
0: Yeah, and of course Falkirk now in a, a lovely new uh, well. I say new; they've been in the sort of new stadium for a while. But you, you played at Brockville, um, yeah, the old old fashioned ground. What what, what was that like, Evo? Yeah,
1: well, it was like going back to uh, Montrose because had, they had a similar stand, maybe not the terracing, uh, but if you. If you, I've went back to uh, to uh, to the new stadium as well, and I've been obviously quite a number of times at uh, at the Montrose Stadium. But when you look at those new stadia, you think back of the, the just small wooden stands <laughs> with uh, with the dingy uh, dressing rooms and the players' room, you know, and the off managers' office. And I always think back, well. That was good as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, you would smell, you would smell the middle gun or the the deep heat uh, <laughs> right through in the, the boardroom and things like that. And and nowadays these stadia are, are much different and they don't have the character that oh. those stadia had at that time, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was I got a from a. For the former Don player, I got a massive reception at uh, massive positive positive reception at uh, at Falkirk, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was going to say uh, that. Did you get any stick when you when you played against them, or uh, was it all good fun?
1: Um, no, uh, probably pretty much in the in the mar- the hearts and minds of the supporters rather than the yeah. players, you know. For the players, it's just a job, and it, it's a club. And if the club is uh, Falkirk uh, or Dunfermline, and I have had a bigger success at Dunfermline, but it doesn't mean that Falkirk people are not uh, nice people to me either way, you know.
0: And then you went back to back to Holland when your time with Falkirk came to end, an end in uh, 2000. Were you ready to leave Scotland at that point, Evo, or did you did you knew know that you're going to look at a different career
1: elsewhere? Well, it actually started in 1999, in 1999. It, uh, because um, I'd obviously had a degree from uh, the Netherlands already, and my wife was working for the procurate Fiscal in, the, no, it was in Volk, first Dumbarton, later on in Volker, in <laughs> and um, I thought, well, maybe it's time to uh, to start a career, my regular career in the Netherlands, because labor market was really tight. I didn't have any work experience, but I had a lot of uh, living experience abroad. Uh, and that would put me up the ladder a little bit uh, higher than when the labor market is really relaxed and there's a there, it, 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 it is an employer's market, you know, and this was an empl- employee's market. So I thought, well, it, Maybe it's a good time to to do that now. Plus, uh, why did I mention it about my wife? My wife got involved in the Lockerbie trial. Oh, wow. So uh, she was the family liaison officer uh, in that court uh, case. So that was a really big influence as well that I could take my wife to the Netherlands and she would take her work with her, you know. On a really challenging uh, project, and a really something that that will remain with her for the rest of her life. So I thought, well, this is the time that to do it, and and then we, I moved back in. Um, well, probably uh, moved back in June, July after the season, uh, and then the court case got postponed and postponed and postponed. Yeah. Uh, because of uh, rulings, you know, rulings, and uh, that wasn't uh, completed. Yeah. And then I was in the Netherlands, and she was in Scotland, and uh, we just got married as uh, as well in the, in January 1999. And then I thought, well, I wasn't married to my wife to be separated, you know. So I worked a few weeks, a few months in the Netherlands, and then at around Christmas time, or just at the start of uh, December, I phoned Alec Todd, and I said. Listen, I'm coming back to Scotland for five months. Um, is there a place for me in your squad? So uh, I got him hooked, and uh, I played uh, from January 3rd. I think I played, or January 3rd, second I played again for five months uh, at uh, at with Volker and that. I can't remember the reception we were playing at Airdrie uh, away. Yeah. New Year's Day uh, fixture. It's the best reception. Uh, the best reception obviously had been in the paper. I yeah. came with a ferry, signed a contract uh, on a SFA contract. They fired it off to the SFA. I got uh, uh, released uh, uh, to play in, in that game. Best reception I've ever, ever had uh, with the warming up. Uh, still, still, really vividly in my mind how that felt. Yeah. Played a really good first uh, month. Got manager of the month, uh, player of the month uh, award as well.
0: Yeah. And when the time came to hang up the boots, uh, evil, were, 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 were you ready to do that? Were you prepared to retire? And did you miss a lot of players? miss it the dressing room and, and the banter and what have you. Is that something that that you missed?
1: Uh, I. Uh, I had a two-year contract. Alec really tried to convince me to stay for another two years. Uh, and I said, well, no, I'm going back now. My wife, my wife's uh, project has started. And uh, yes. uh, I thought it was the time, right time to do, you know. I, I wanted to prevent two things. I wanted to prevent that I was going down the leads <clears throat> when age and ability and, uh, and physical ability uh, deteriorated. Yeah. And i wanted to be in charge of that decision when to stop uh, so i wanted to stop at the at a reasonable level high level highest level i could uh, achieve and that's why i stopped and i had a a good uh, position to to jump on the on, on the on the career ladder in the netherlands and never regretted it to be honest uh, because of i played at, at the end Till the yeah. end, at a good level, and I made that decision myself, yeah. which which is something that I really uh, yeah cherish.
0: Yeah, and there's not many players that come from uh, Holland or whatever, and their entire career is pretty much in Scotland. It really is something else. Um, it leads us on now, Evo. What was it you're doing now to to keep busy?
1: Um, well, I've well, it's, it's been over twenty years, of course, that I've been back here, and I've always been working. As a manager, as a manager or or a leader in uh, in teams that uh, either in security or in logistics or whatever you know, uh, but I I have that uh, ability to to form teams like my managers have had that ability to form teams and to, to seek out positions where I can really bring across that uh, that mentality of uh, uh, building winning teams. Yeah, And that's what I do. And I do that now uh, in a big uh, e-commerce uh, organization. I'm there as an interim uh, manager. And uh, what I do is I connect to people. I make sure that they understand me, that uh, we build trust. And from building trust, we start building uh, a team and building uh, uh, a joint um, uh, goal. And then uh, hopefully uh, uh, everybody feels themselves uh, uh, at home safe, but also uh, as a professional. So that's what I do. And now I, uh, so that's I've been doing for, for about 20 years now yeah,
0: fantastic.
1: and always in different companies and always in different settings but everywhere uh, the dynamics are the same and it's the same dynamics as there are in football teams or in uh, other sports teams. And uh, the left arm should know what the right arm wants. And, and it's, it's really, really easy to, to translate from, from the dressing room and the football pitch to business, you know, and uh, I, I like to, to to play in the middle, either in midfield or through the middle. That's where that's where the things happen, you know and uh, I make things happen. I make uh, I'm, I get pe- I get people uh, into action. I get them to help each other because that's pretty much what football is about as well. One day I help you, you help me the next day, you know, and uh, uh, so I've translated everything that I've learned from football translated into business. Yeah, and we do exactly wish, the same. You,
0: yeah, fantastic. We wish you all the best going forward as well. Evo has been um, absolutely Thanks great having it. you on. So thank you very much for for coming on the podcast.
1: You're welcome, and uh, all the best to my Scottish uh, uh, fellow uh, former players and uh, fans.
0: That was episode 111 of the Talkin' Fitball podcast with Evo Den Beeman. I hope you enjoyed it as ever. If you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on the website, talkinfitball.co.uk. We'll also find a whole lot of great articles on there. And we're on all other podcast providers as well. Be sure to check out our Twitter site at Talkin underscore And we're on Facebook as well. And if you want to sponsor the podcast... You can do just that, just visit the Get Involved page on the website or email us at contact at Clarksports.co.uk. Hope you can join me again next time, but until then, keep safe and bye for now.